David Anson was an editor for Newsweek. And he said once that we are movies and the movies are us. Movies often reflect how we as a culture feel, what we're passionate about, how we view morality, maybe even the meaning of life itself. I'm sure if I asked each of you what your favorite movies are, you could talk for a good long time of why they're your favorite and why you connect with them. I was talking to a friend of mine who's an engineer, kind of an aspiring sociologist on the side, and he made this comment that I had never really thought of before. He said, you look at movies even 15 years ago and going back further, you saw the endings of good triumphing over evil and happy endings and a hopeful future. But you look at movies now, and it's not so much about the good triumphing over the evil, but of self-preservation. In other words, movies today are more about surviving than thriving. For millennials and Generation Z, that kind of encapsulates how they look at life. There's a lot of young people right now that see life as just that. It's just about surviving. The thought of thriving and success seems so far off. Yet no matter what generational group you find yourself in, Every human being has struggled with this pursuit of self-preservation over and above what God's revelation says in his word. You and I, we look to preserve self. We look to hide sin. We look to promote who we are. And all it does is lead to more hiding, more redirecting. But our compassionate Father sees everything. Enter the book of Hebrews into the conversation. We still don't know who wrote this book, but I think the author would prefer to keep it that way. The focus be on the message, not who he or she was. We still don't know the first church that heard this book for the first time. We do know what they were struggling with. And we do know that the words of this book still speak deeply to us here at Christ today. These were people who are looking for rest. Challenge and persecution and trial was everywhere they could see. They wanted to find rest. They wanted to find preservation, but they were looking for it in all the wrong escapes. And maybe that's where you find yourself today. We all have that temptation to preserve ourselves, even if it goes above what God's word has to say. We all have sins that we want to cover up from the world that nobody can see the darkness that we're in. I mean, think about it. When life comes crashing in, what's your first instinct? Is it not hiding? Is it not redirecting? Is it not self-preservation? When you see that sin in front of you, it's so easy to think that if I can cover it up from the world, If I can accomplish self-concealment, maybe, just maybe, I can accomplish self-deception. Convincing myself that this sin maybe isn't that big of a deal, that I can survive. Have you ever evaluated yourself like that rich young ruler did in our gospel today? Where you look within, you see your self-righteousness, and you think, maybe, just maybe, I can show by what I have, the material things I have, who I am, that God should love me, that God has a place for me in his family. But he knew that wasn't the answer. 
Maybe you know what was going through Gehazi's mind in that first reading, where you look at the hand that God has dealt you, and you think that you deserve far more than the grace he's given to you. You might not say it, but you think it. And you think that you can take what's rightfully yours by whatever means it takes. It's all self-preservation over and above God's revelation. It's this self-preservation that leads us to having wrong motives, wrong priorities. And the thing is, no matter how much you think you can hide it from the people closest to you, no matter how you think you can maybe even get into the delusion that you can hide your sin from your own psyche, there is one who's going to see it all, right? And what does Hebrews 4 say there? It says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare. So, what are the false priorities that have grown out of that quest for self-preservation that you have? Well, if you're like me, that false priority can easily become hiding what I'm struggling with and the pain that I'm feeling from everybody around me. Thinking that if I bottle it up and I keep it to myself, I'm not unloading on anybody else, I'm keeping them spared from this. Completely forgetting what we talked about last week when we sat down with our Heavenly Father, right? That we're built for deep connection. We're built for community. We're built for other human beings to walk life with us. But we try to go through it all alone. Or maybe for you, it's that false priority of wanting church to be the way you want it to be. And so you find yourself upset when the wrong hymns get chosen and the money that we have is used in a different way than you wish it was used. Or you look at our leaders and things just aren't happening the way you wish it would happen. All of a sudden, Jesus, the gospel, loses its center in our worship, in our church community, and it's replaced by a self-centered mindset, a consumer mindset, instead of an other-centered approach. Here's the point. See, a lot of times our false priorities look great on the surface, maybe even righteous. You know, the sentiment to keep everything in so you don't unload pain on anybody else. The desire that if church was the way I envision it, things would be great. Or the hope that if we cover up who we are and what we're dealing with, that we won't cloud the gospel. But it's all just another form of the same thing. It's self-hiding. It's self-preserving. And thanks be to God that no matter how much we try to hide our sin from him, Our Father sees everything. When you find yourself caught in the middle of the gale force winds of life and they hit you, look at the word your Father speaks to you. He speaks to you a word that is living and active. In a world where trauma and chaos and confusion confront us every single day, his word pierces the darkness. It penetrates that evil When we try to cover up our sin, his word by grace is sharper than any double-edged sword. It divides our soul, our spiritual self, from our spirit, our emotions. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. Like a careful surgeon, your heavenly father, he cuts into the deepest chambers of your heart. He finds all the sin lurking there, but for a reason that you might not expect at first. Because that first reaction is terror, right? 
that God knows you in more detail and more intimately than you will ever even know yourself. You're completely exposed before him. There's no place to hide. There's no place to run. No sheet to cover up. What will we do? But that's the first reaction. That's the old Adam. That's the old Eve within you and me. But the second reaction? Because of what happened right here? The child of God, you find this not to be a cutting, but a healing. You see, your heavenly Father has a scalpel of the word for a reason. I mean, just think of a time in your life when he spoke this cutting word to you to heal you, whether it was through the Bible or through a friend. Can you remember a time in your life when sin was something you were dealing with all the time? We always do, right? But this certain sin, this certain darkness was surrounding you and you thought, okay, I can cope, I can survive, I can keep it to myself. But then God's grace entered the scene. And a Christian friend approached you about it in love. And that Christian friend approached you in the most loving way possible and exposed to you this false priority, this self-preservation that you had been dealing with. And he showed you or she showed you the greatest thing, the greatest aspect of grace that God, despite all our wrong priorities, has made you his top priority. Have you ever been sitting in church and all of a sudden there's that hymn that just hits you right where you're at, that sermon that for whatever reason is really connected with you today, the readings that it's almost like God picked them just for you. That's all God's grace. You see, he could let us keep walking in this darkness, but he doesn't. He can't bear the thought of that. And so as much as we hate getting called out for our wrongdoings, and yeah, that pride and the ego that we have doesn't like it, There is no more healing feeling than when our Heavenly Father confronts you lovingly in the word and through the mouth of a Christian because the lie of self-preservation is broken and salvation is given. Your Father in Heaven has a word that is, what does it say there? It's alive. And it's not just that it's relevant because of course it is, but it's alive in the sense that it produces life in you. You don't have to go through life thinking that it's on your own to find your value. And maybe that's where we can really resonate with that rich young man in the gospel reading who's trying to look within to try to validify for himself that life is going to be okay, that he was going to make it through. And notice what Jesus does with him. He doesn't send him off in this delusion, nor does he come at him with the law, the hammer that he had already felt by his own hand. What does it say he did? He loved him. Jesus loves you too. Jesus is the great physician for a reason. He has taken that scalpel of the word and he has sculpted away all the sclerosis of your heart. He cut every single bit of sin out of you, put it before himself, and he picked every single one of them up. And I can't emphasize this enough, he picked every single one of them up. There is no sin outside his reach. And he put him in his hands, and he went to the cross, and when those hands were nailed, he, of course, wasn't kept to the cross. He burst free on the third day. But those sins, every single one of your sins, is still nailed to that cross. They're not going anywhere. They can't touch you anymore. They're gone. 
See, this is the joy that we have, that our Heavenly Father sees everything. I mean, is there a more beautiful thought than that? As we realize the depth of our sin, it's also understanding that his grace is always one step deeper. See, that's why your Heavenly Father wants to keep having these conversations with you. And yes, he's going to keep showing you just how deep this self-preservation is embedded into us. But he's not going to do that to shame you, no. His intention is to heal you. He's teaching you what confession and forgiveness looks like and feels like. He's teaching you about a word that is unlike any other sentence that this world has ever known. By grace you're saved. By baptism you're his child. And by his blood you are free. See, this is the power in our God's all-seeing eyes. He has stripped away that pursuit of self-preservation and in its place, given you Savior recognition. That word made flesh who is still active and lives within you right now. It's Jesus who's revealed to you who you really are. And there's nothing that can change that fact. You throw all the medals of self and all the trophies of pride, you throw that at his feet and in its place, like we just sang about in the last hymn, he gives you righteousness in the form of a crown and a title of royal priest to serve him in everything you do. You serve him as you follow the prophet who speaks to you today through the Bible and through your Christian family. The priest who empathizes with you at a deeper level and a more authentic level than you could ever imagine. A priest who's still interceding for you, and yes, of course, who gave the ultimate sacrifice for you. The king who rules everything in your life. And even as you walk through valleys of trauma and suffering and mourning and grieving, his word stays true. His arms, his strong arms of compassion and forgiveness and pardon are always there for you. So there's really only one response to such news. There's really only one way we can thank our God for everything he's done for us. And it's not hiding. It's confessing. See, this is the joy-filled life that our Father has in store for you. The Christian life, it revolves around what happened to your baptism. It's repentance. By faith, you know that when you bring your sins to your Heavenly Father, he is not going to shun you. But he's going to welcome you. You know the forgiveness that Jesus won for you. You know that if you bring your sins to your church family, any one of the brothers and sisters are here with us today and all over the world, you know if you bring that to them, you're not going to be met with isolation, but with restoration. That's the power of what our Father does. That's why we can rejoice. He does see everything. Because even though we all our sins lay bare before him, he bared his heart to us. And he hung exposed and he rose to restore you. See, as you get closer to Jesus, and you all know this, the closer you get to Jesus in this walk of sanctification that is this life, the closer you get, the more you see how far you fall short of perfection. You see sins you didn't even see before. But I beg you, don't stop there at those insights. Because there's a greater truth at play. The deeper you see your sin run, the deeper you see that grace covers it. 
That's when what Paul talked about this when he said, you know, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. It is always one step ahead. Your Father's love is so deep for you. And his vast beyond all measure forgiveness is always for you. Never doubt it. If David Anson is right, that we are the movies and the movies are us, then when it comes to the movie of life, you are God's and God is yours. My dear family, keep talking with your Heavenly Father every day. Even if it's a five-second, dear Father, please be with me at work today. Please be with me with my kids. Please be with me with my husband. Five seconds will make his day. And don't be afraid to walk into that OR of confession with Jesus, the doctor of souls, and with the understudies that he's given you in your life, whether it's me, whether it's your husband, your wife, whether it's your kids, whether it's a Christian brother or sister in our church, don't be afraid to confess what you're going through. Because you're not going to be met with hostility. You're going to be met with forgiveness. A personal forgiveness that is just for you, that Jesus wants you and your ears only to hear. Don't forget what the word does. This word is living and active. It is full of energy. It is electric in your life. Discover more and more every day just how bottomless God's grace is for you. And above all else, remember and rejoice that your Father does see everything because more than anything else, you know what he sees? He sees you, his dear child, who will always be his top priority. Amen. And to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be all glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen.